We begin today with my discovery that my question, well, is just a lot more common than I had thought. We're going to talk about movies. <laughs> so many movies. We'll start with John Wayne. We'll end up with Kevin Costner and Danny Glover. And somewhere in there, we'll wander across the true story of a pacifist who got drafted into the military in World War II. Oh, yeah. And there'll be a lot of Jesus as well, all on the way to answering the question, was Jesus a hero? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. Hello, and welcome to Sky Pilot Faith Quest Podcast, just your typical spiritual podcast hosted by an old guy and a space alien. I would prefer to be called a superior life form, if you would. <laughs> no. I wouldn't. Oh. So let's jump straight into the topic. And this one, well, this one's an easy question. Matter of fact, it's kind of somewhat silly. It's just something I thought of recently and decided it might be fun to work through and just kind of see where it takes us. Now, to be clear, there isn't really a right or wrong in this because, well, because I made up the question. There aren't people out there claiming that Jesus wears tights and is a superhero. I mean, Jesus already has the ultimate classification, as far as I know, God. So nobody's going to be demoting him to something like hero or superhero. So this is just purely for fun. Um, if I might interrupt for just a moment, pardon me for overstepping, but I borrowed your rather crude internet technology, and I think if you had looked yourself, you would have discovered that Jesus, Jesus as the superhero, is a fairly popular theme across your internet, actually. Huh. I had no idea. Yes, yes, I know. That's quite evident at this point. Okay, so let me say that this episode isn't really about all of that. I mean, we aren't really about proving what Quark found on the internet. I'm not interested in displaying Jesus as a superhero, but I do think it might be fun to talk about what makes a hero a superhero, and if any of those qualities overlap with Jesus, the biblical Jesus, not the hyper-masculine one who is so muscularly ripped that he looks like, well, they were using me as their model. Um, pardon, did you just say what I think you said? Yep, just seeing if you're paying attention. You pass. I want to tell you something to start with. I'm a huge fan of movie heroes. That includes everything from Bruce Willis playing John McClane in Die Hard to Moana in the movie, well, Moana. Conan the Barbarian, Sigourney Weaver playing Ellen Ripley in Alien, oh, who may, yeah, Ellen Ripley, that character may be one of the most amazing heroes ever. She is tenacious. James Bond. Shane, I'd add Atticus Finch in there as well. And that list would obviously include well, superheroes as well. Matter of fact, I grew up with Adam West and Burt Ward playing the characters of Batman and Robin on television. As I understand it, there was a tongue-in-cheek campy element to that television show. <laughs> I had no idea. I was about seven years old when it went off the air, but between Batman... Gilligan's Island, and Star Trek, I spent many, many, yeah, many after-school hours watching these shows. And as far as I was concerned, there was nothing campy about Batman, it, at least to my younger self. There 
kind of, for Batman and Robin, their overly conscientious do-gooder nature was just perfect for me. As I got older, I moved away from superhero shows for a while and towards a different type of hero genre, the Western. Now, there was a moment in the heyday of Westerns in which there was a dramatic change, a shift in the way they were made, which I want to talk about because I think it relates to our discussion here. Probably the most classic and iconic Western star of American cinema was, of course, John Wayne. Maybe he played more heroes than anybody in the history of movies. There's something important to realize in the intersection between John Wayne's life and his movies, and that is this. He thought they were the same thing. John Wayne didn't just play characters. He believed he was the characters that he played. Now, I don't mean that he believed he was Rooster Cogburn in real life. Well, I don't know that he didn't, but that's not what I mean. He believed he was, just like his characters that he played, an American icon of truth, justice, goodness, and the American way. One of my favorite real-life stories about him is his exchange with his friend Kirk Douglas, when Douglas decided to play Vincent Van Gogh. Now, they were having dinner together at someone's home, I think following the viewing of that premiere. And Wayne had a couple of drinks. Actually, according to Kirk Douglas, he had more than a couple. And he invited Douglas outside to talk. And it was there that he just blasted Kirk Douglas for playing, quote, a weak, sniveling character, end quote. They, the two of them, according to Wayne, should stick to playing strong characters, well, like them. Douglas, to his credit, didn't confuse his own personal life with the roles that he played on the big screen, and actually he even received an Academy Award nomination for his portrayal of Van Gogh in the movie Lust for Life. Which brings us to another disagreement with a famous Western actor, Clint Eastwood. If there is anyone who might give Wayne a run for the title of iconic male Western actor, it would have to be Clint Eastwood. Now, Douglas and Wayne were old friends and were in, I think, five movies together, my very favorite of those being War Wagon. After Clint Eastwood made the movie High Plains Drifter, he wrote to John Wayne and told him of his desire for the two of them to make a movie together. John Wayne wrote back and replied saying that he hated High Plains Drifter and would never make a movie with Eastwood. John Wayne evidently liked Westerns because, for him, they were about the people who pioneered the West, who formed America. Obviously, a very romanticized, not real version of those people, but Wayne was deeply committed to that formula, that story. Clint Eastwood was more interested in what the Western movie could tell as a metaphor. So in High Plains Drifter, the bad people get it in the end, but the overall plot is so morally ambiguous that you are left to wonder kind of where the dividing line is between good and evil. Matter of fact, that's one of those movies that you'd almost be better off reading the synopsis online before you saw it for the first time. Matter of fact, this change from good guy versus bad guy westerns to westerns that are morally ambiguous and feature a tortured, troubled hero, that kind of theme and change also found its way into superhero movies as well. 
Oh, and here's another point at which many Westerns and hero movies differ from the story of Jesus. Many a Western is focused on a stranger passing through town who encounters some sort of injustice in their brief visit in the town, an injustice that he initially tries to ignore so, so he can be on his way wherever he's going. Eventually, the injustice or the evil comes for him in such a way that he can no longer turn aside. He can no longer turn away, and he must act. Many Westerns are about the reluctant hero. I often think of Glenn Ford in this category, particularly his movie, Fastest Gun Alive. So, one difference between movie heroes and Jesus is that movie heroes are often just going about life. Like John McClane in Die Hard, when unforeseen circumstances force them into the role of hero. Jesus did not stumble across the role of Savior. Jesus, for those of us who follow him, is God incarnate who actually came for a purpose, to let the world know and understand the depth and breadth of God's love for and commitment to humanity. Okay, new point. Many of the hero movies that I can think of resort to some sort of physical altercation for the conflict to be resolved. Sometimes it takes the hero abandoning his moral code to do what must be done. Even in To Kill a Mockingbird, that had a very interesting scene. I mean, the movie's conflict is resolved without the hero resorting to violence. But interestingly, there is a scene in which Atticus's kids discover when a rabid dog appears in their neighborhood that their father is regarded as the best shot in town. Now, it's a thought-provoking scene often described when people are reviewing the book and the story as the rabid dog symbolizing racism and putting it down, showing that Atticus is the only hope for the community to defeat the scourge of racism. And I'll just say, and I love, love, love that book and the movie, but I'm not sure I buy that. I think that the scene was written into the book and included in the movie because I think it was needed to prove to us as a culture that even though he was a man of peaceful means, it wasn't because he lacked the means to be violent. He was a great shot. He knew how to handle a gun. He was a real man by our cultural standards. There is not a single element in the Bible in which Jesus is portrayed as possessing any of the elements that we would consider as being typical of real men and heroes in movies. He isn't a great athlete. He isn't muscular. He isn't large. He isn't good-looking. He doesn't possess a square chin. He doesn't make women weak in the knees when he walks into a room, nor is willing to use violence to solve his problems. Now, before you speak up, because you might want to say, well, we don't know if he had a square chin or was athletic or tall or muscular or good-looking. The Bible simply doesn't tell us either way. And I would say to that, you are right. Exactly. But that's the point. If any of those things seem to be important and relevant, don't you think they would have been included in the story? Okay, just one point. I agree, but didn't Jesus turn the tables over in the temple? Uh-huh. Okay, that's a fair question. Let me say a couple of things. First, the passage says Jesus turned the tables over, but doesn't seem to say that the whip he made was used against people. So there are some problems with that. First of all, it says he formed a whip, but you can't really imagine Jesus in his anger sitting down to take a bunch of cords and braid something. So it sounds more like he just used some item that he grabbed to get the animals moving and kind of shooing them out of the temple. 
Number two, this is not by any means an example of Jesus using physical force to get what he wants. Quite to the contrary, the gospel, all of them seem to be quite clear that this little outburst was in no way successful at ridding the temple of the things that bothered Jesus. And actually, this moment seems to be the catalyst that led to his arrest and death. So, does Jesus use physical intimidation to get what he wants in this story, or is this a case in which it is more of an outburst of anger against the injustice that he saw in the temple, and people scattered like a group of toddlers who would in a preschool class when one of their classmates suddenly bursts out in an angry tantrum. And no, that example is not intended to call Jesus a toddler with an angry tantrum. It's actually meant to be used to describe the people who were fleeing from his reaction. There is another element that is often found in hero movies, and that's when the hero abandons his principles to overcome a problem. This can be found in the John Wayne movie, The Quiet Man. In this movie, Wayne plays a retired boxer from the United States who's moved to Ireland where he was born. He falls in love with a woman, played by Maureen O'Hara. Wayne and O'Hara were in a lot of movies together. Maureen O'Hara's character, her older brother, lives in the town as well and is the town bully. The problem being is that Wayne's character has vowed to never box again because the last time he fought, he accidentally killed his opponent. All the tension in this story is ultimately resolved when Wayne's character ultimately decides that the way to solve the problems he's having in this new place where he's living is to enter into a fight. And he does ultimately fight the town bully. This is a classic. I have principles. I abandon them to solve my problems, which I would say is a fairly consistent trope in hero movies of all sorts. Sergeant York is another movie that follows this line. It's a true story of a pacifist who's drafted and goes to war, but eventually abandons his beliefs to rescue his comrades who are in dire straits and about to be killed. I can't think of a single time in which Jesus abandons his principles to get stuff done. And there are many times in Scripture that people ask him to do so. In short, the difficulty with calling Jesus a hero by any standard is that heroes in general become heroes due to circumstance. Jesus doesn't become the Messiah, the Savior, because of a set of unusual occurrences that came about for him. Jesus came for the purpose of being the Messiah. So are there any ways in which hero movies... And the story of Jesus are the same. Yes, actually, I think there's a big one. I love a good hero movie because in almost every single one, well, the ones that I enjoy, that I can think of, the conclusion is decided even before the movie starts. We love a really good hero movie because we know that when the credits roll, evil will have been vanquished. Good people can live in peace. And life for them is now forever changed. Now, of all the more modern Westerns, because there tend to be some unusual ones that are made today, but of all the more modern Westerns, the one that I think of as following most kind of the old Western ways, the good guys looking down and out, but ultimately coming together and defeating evil, is the movie Silverado. It has truly an all-star lineup. Kevin Costner, Kevin Kline, Danny Glover, Scott Glenn, Linda Hunt, Brian Dennehy, and John Cleese. The four heroes of the movie are Costner, Klein, Glover, and Glenn, and they're the four guys who are brought together just by chance, each is separately beaten and defeated individually until they hear 
that a child has been kidnapped. And if you're sitting in theater or you're watching this on television from the very beginning, you know this, but at that particular moment, you know, as the viewer, good is going to prevail. You're just watching at that point to see how it happens. The story of Jesus has some similarities to that. I mean, not in terms of plot line. It's the story of evil and death being vanquished and people being offered life, eternal life as a consequence. It's the story of the triumph of good. And one of the things it reminds us is that no matter how much of a struggle this life is at times, the end is a foregone conclusion. We will, when the credits of our lives roll, so to speak, we will live a life eternal in the presence of God, the God who created us the God who loves us, the God who took flesh in the midst of us so that we would have no doubts as to the truth of his love and how our story will end. That's all for today. So what do you think? I have discovered that though this is a fun, light, easy topic, over the years of my ministry, I've realized that when we talk about this kind of thing, it's deeply troubling to some people. There are those who have a profound need for Jesus to have well, a little bit of Rambo in him, because there are people who are concerned that anything less than that, well, then Jesus isn't really a man. What do you think? Does Jesus need to be tough to be a real man? Or is that just our 21st century Western culture trying to shape Jesus, you know, into who we want him to be? Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at dan at skypilot.zone, or you can hop over to YouTube and leave a comment for me below the corresponding video for this podcast. And on your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever your quest takes you. Thanks for joining us here today and being part of the SkyPilot Faith Quest community. This is a great place to ask questions you wouldn't feel comfortable or safe asking in other places. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.